0: Welcome back to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today because I am interviewing Alex Cantone and she is a human design guide that specializes in parent and children energetics. And we're going to be diving into that along with so many other things as well. She's a 6'2", self-projected projector. So I'm just really excited to ask her all the questions and for us just to have a beautiful, fluid conversation. So Alex, welcome to the podcast channel. I'm so honored and excited to have you here. And I would love if you could just share a little bit more about yourself. And then we're just going to dive into the conversation together.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I haven't done a podcast interview that wasn't a show in the Spacious app that I'm a part of in so long. So it's really fun to actually be getting interviewed again. I really, I really enjoy this. So thanks for inviting me to do this. Uh, Yeah, 6'2", self-projected projector, mostly specializing and re-emerging back into the human design parenting field, child energetics. It's sort of my one true love that as we were talking about before, we hopped onto the recording that can't seem to escape me and I've just been on such a fun journey. So I'm excited to be here and talk about all the things and just see what comes up.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So Alex and I got connected because she is joining and collaborating with Eden's team. And obviously I'm sure that I'm also on Eden's team. And so there's going to be some really amazing things coming out. That's all I'm going to say, but (laughs) this is how we got connected. And so I invited her on because I just love I love the idea of human design and then human design and parenting and I just feel like this is like the new way of raising kids you know just in the most fluid and inclusive way possible but before we dive into that I always love asking people how they got into human design because this is always such an interesting story because there's a lot of differences but then there's some like uncanny like you know things that resonate where people have very similar experiences of how they got into human design so I would love to hear your story of how you got into this work
1: Yeah. I was, I had a rough twenties. I'm going to say like my twenties were just pretty rough. They've been pretty rough. Um, I'm now almost 30. So I'm, I'm creeping away from my twenties, but I would say that I always had a hard time understanding how people could just be happy, how people could be like, Fulfilled and satisfied with life. Um, I knew really early on that I wanted to work with kids and, even more specifically, work with parents. I was one of those kids who was, who like knew what they wanted to be when they grew up um, and actually followed through with it. So I pursued an education degree, went on to be a teacher, got a master's in education, and I was just so excited to be an adult and get into the field of teaching and being around kids and doing what I was so passionate about, but I just found that life sort of kept getting in the way and it was my my mental health and my own connection to myself that was making me feel really unfulfilled in the environments that I was choosing to be in because I don't think I was choosing the correct environments to my for myself. So I was always sort of just one of those people who was like asking questions and seeking more and wanting to know more and would have stumbled upon human design at some point in my life. I'm convinced like it could not have possibly, I could not have possibly missed it. Um, cause I was always seeking and searching and as it does for many people, it sort of started with astrology and what does it mean that I'm a cancer sun and a Pisces moon and a Pisces rising? And like, what does that mean? And then, um, what about yoga and meditation and spirituality and self help books and all of these things? And I was just going down this rabbit hole of self development and self-growth and inquiry. And one thing led to another. And you're, you know, listening to one of those self help podcasts, and someone mentions human design. And I was like, What is this human design thing? Is it astrology on crack? Like, let me figure out what this means. Um, um, definitely thought that I was a manifesting generator as many projectors do when they're looking into the system and found that I was a projector and then immediately felt this sense of relief followed by this sense of like, Oh, being a projector sounds so like me, but also so hard because I feel so far away from it. And I went after becoming the perfect projector for a couple of years until I found myself in, I would say a healthy relationship with human design. And I think that that's something that I would be so interesting for us to talk about too, because I'd love to hear from you, like what, how your relationship with human design has evolved. Cause that's something I've been thinking about as I've um, gotten to know human design more over the years is you know we kind of started off on this path where it was like, let me be perfect for you and using it as this prescription and taking the chart and being like, I'm gonna be this chart and I'm gonna be it as good as fucking possible into realizing that human design is nothing but a supplement that enhances who I already am and the language and the insight that it gives me allows me to see how to step into that highest potential just through understanding what is most aligned for me. So rather than being like, this is Bible, this is rule, it's now just like, let me take this little tincture and enhance my ability to make decisions and enhance my ability to choose the right environment for me and just enhance what is already inherently such a part of me. So finding human design was a very different Alex than... Alex, who is currently in relationship with human design, which feels a lot more evolved and why we talk about there being, you know, like a seven year deconditioning process and having to really go through it. And it's not just about taking it and then running with it and knowing how to do all the things. It's about using it as a lifelong inquiry tool that allows you to get closer to being an integrated and fulfilled human being.
0: That was such a beautiful tangent. (laughs) I was like sitting here, like watching her on the screen and I was just like nodding and nodding and nodding for like three minutes straight. And I was like, Ooh, this concept of healthy relationship with human design, like that really hit me in the fields. And I love that you brought that up. And I really love this emphasis on, you know, I'm going to be the air quotes, perfect projector, like, or even just anyone becoming like seriously prematurely married to their chart as if it is like a permanent commitment and like rigidity you know what I mean and it's interesting because I only really started studying human design in March of 2021 so it's Mm. literally just been over a year it hasn't been that long for me but as a 6'2 when I found it I just went like fucking deep Mm-hmm. And so I really love what you're sharing is just like who you were when you found human design is not the same as like who you are now and like who you're evolving into continually. So I'm curious, how long have you been into human design? Like when you first discovered it? Cause I'm sharing it like, I've literally only been doing this for over a year, which surprises people when I tell them that.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that it's like, oh, if you've only been in it for a year, you can only know a certain amount, but there is something to say about Moving from that first couple of years into like the lived experience where something clicks and it's like, whoa. And I bet that because you found it when you did, you've had access to so many more tools and resources than what I had when I discovered it. I think in like 2017 or 2018, where there's crickets on Instagram, like no training programs, Jovian or Human Design America, you know, no one was even had even come out with a training or anything yet. it was all access to self-study materials unless you were gonna go down the IH IDH, IHDS. I don't even know the what International it's called, Human Design yeah. School. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never even went down that path because I just was so interested in the self-study route that um, I've never been like classically trained in anything or certified in anything, which is fine for me. But yeah, so I think it was like 2017, 2018 that I discovered it. And to be honest, it was so overwhelming and I'd love to almost like put myself back into the shoes of who I was when I first discovered it, because I remember trying to explain it to my generator roommate at the time, and she was an emotional generator. And I, I was like, and you are like this because you're this. And it was like month one into learning about it. I'm like, I don't even get the language yet to be able to translate it to someone else. So I was really, really, of course, as a projector, I'm like, I have something that people need and want from me and going after all of my friends and family members and being like, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And then being like, uh, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. So it was almost like, And being a three, two at the time, right. Like through that trial and error and just like being really messy and feeling really bitter after I would try to guide people, which was essentially not guiding. It was just telling other people what to do and who they were supposed to be. And then feeling super bitter about it because no one was listening and then stepping back and being like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So then I just went on this deep dive And I'm sure as you know, as a two line in the body, it's like, let me hide away and get into my little space and like consume the shit out of everything that I can, because I want to get to know the language that I can begin to translate it to other people. So then my goal became to learn it so well that I would not just have to regurgitate it, but I would actually be able to translate it in practical and easily digestible concepts for people to understand, because I I could see that the amount of time that I wanted to dedicate to learning about the system was not going to be something that everyone would want to do. So to sit in front of my friend and go, you're a SQL generator and it means all of these things meant nothing to her. But if I was like, hey, does it feel better when you move through you know, decisions with your gut versus your head? And they're like, yeah, it does. Like cool. Cause I just saw you do that before. And that was awesome. And I'm like, wow, that felt so like such a more successful and fulfilling conversation than being like, you're this, so you need to do that. And if you don't do this, it's incorrect. And um, yeah, I, so I, around that time, I just, I spent about a year sort of coveted in my own little space. I would literally go into my closet and study and then like read the books until I fell asleep. And then it wasn't until I think 2018, maybe October, November, December, it was somewhere around that time. I went had a really, really hard personal life experience around that time. And then I was like, I'm changing my life. And that's when I went on to Instagram and that's when I created what is now my Instagram account. And it started as an account called The Conscious Parent Guide. I wasn't talking about human design yet. Um, I had to muster up the confidence. It still took me like five more months until I actually was confident enough to talk about human design. So I studied it a lot before I even talked about it because again, there was no one on Instagram talking about human design. So it was like, if I'm not, If I don't know it really well, then who am I to do this? And I think what makes the human design space so beautiful now is there are so many different people talking about it in so many different ways that people feel like they have so much more permission to actually show up and just share what they know and share what they're learning because, um, yeah, you're just able to see yourself and other people who are doing the same thing. So you're like, oh, I have permission to do that too. Cause like, who am I to think that I am not as good as that person who's already doing it, you know?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I can relate so hard to that six two vibe of like when I, so when I signed up for Eden's certification program and I started studying in March of 2021 last year, I went into like such a dark hole. Like I was working full-time still at my nine to five. And then it was like, I'm going to stay up until 1030 every night and just like read the book and highlight. Like I actually finished the program on time and it ended up being like Ten months instead of nine because there was so much content, and even by the end of it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I cannot believe how much I consumed in the last like ten months. Where now I'm like, I don't want to consume anything. Like it's mm. like it's enough for me, you know. But I I really love your experience too of just like this system really does set you up to really have to challenge what it means to trust yourself because it's true. People can show up and just regurgitate textbooks, but it will be the movers and shakers that show up that speak in a way that's like, oh, I never thought of it like this. Or, oh, you can apply it to that. Like that's ultimately, you know, I know that I've actually never consumed directly anything from Raw, which is crazy because he's literally the creator and I've just consumed from other people, a lot of work from Eden as well. But I find sometimes when I consume from Raw, like when I've noticed some of, I've seen quotes and things by him, it's very like, Rigid, but one of the things I've been told that he said is that the six lines are really going to be taking human design to like the next yeah. level, and that's just because the six line is a visionary, we do see beyond. So, this is what I'm seeing, right? I'm a six two, you're a six two, Eden's a six two, there's other six twos. I'm not saying that anyone else with any other profile isn't going to take human design to another level, but it's just I see this pattern, and I think it's so refreshing because this is how we break paradigms. This is how we break paradigms in parenting. This is how we break paradigms in growing a business. This is how we break paradigms in how people show up in the corporate world. And so it's so refreshing, but it really it comes back to like, how much are you willing to trust yourself to share how you understand the system and how you apply it to your life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And, you know, on the six line note, um, I think sometimes are let me speak from my own experience I always I initially was looking at the profiles as and and when you read the book you kind of see it this way okay there's the line ones and then it's like a ladder then line two then three then four then five then six and six is completion right but what I've realized is six is not completion six is actually the beginning so what allows us to translate is we are literally at the precipice of everything that is beyond what we already know so the eternal student who gets to sit on the roof and look out and be like, what is happening beyond what we can even see yet? And what can we sort of bring to materialize and then integrating that and living it out. And that's, what's so cool about being a six. And it again, doesn't make us any better or more knowledgeable or anything than anyone. It's just such a, I, I feel such Like it's such an honor to me that I am able to have this design that feels so natural to me that allows me to translate and move it beyond what we know human design to be currently because I've never been able to see myself as someone who just teaches by the book and teaches the rule and teaches by what the source material says. Like I really love and respect people who want to teach from that space, but I get so much more satisfaction out of knowing that I can create waves in the industry by taking like one concept and another one, and then threading them together and going, what if we looked at it this way? And what if we applied it to that? And that's why I love zoning in on the, you know, HD parenting space, child space, because that allows me to take my practical experience from what I call my previous life, which is being a teacher and being a child, um, development specialist and then taking my love for just energy and personal development and self-empowerment and really just those this equipment that allows us to love and trust and know ourselves and being like what if we mash them together and set the future generations up for doing this in such an integrated way that it doesn't have to be taught anymore so we don't have to be you know like parenting these kids into their twenties who are like, well, I'm going to go learn human design now. Like, I think that human design, at least not even just as a system, but as a way of life, like as a lifestyle has the potential to become so integrated in so many of us that we just raise integrated children, that we just become integrated beings that you no longer have to go. Well, what does it mean if I have an undefined sacral and what should I do in this situation? Like to embody it, to be a living, breathing expression of it through that self-integration is the ultimate, again, to go to the sixth line, the ultimate role model to be the living, breathing example of who you came here to be. And I just think that that's what gets me all fired up. I'm like the potential that we have. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. Seeing the potential.
0: Literally (laughs) just about to say that is such a projector move, like six six line on top of being a projector. Like you just fucking see through walls. You know what I mean? Like literally. Mm. So I love that. I would actually love, it was so funny before we hit record, I always have a little chat with people. And uh, I was talking to Alex about how she got into human design and parenting. And then I was like, oh yeah, like how many kids do you have? And she's like, I don't have any kids. And I was like, what? And we got into this great conversation because I've also really been curious about the application of human design with kids. And like, I have friends who are now getting into human design who have kids and I'm like, oh my God, like this, this and this with your kid. But then I've been like really self-conscious, like, well, I don't have any kids yet. I have cats. They're both reflectors. So I mean, that's pretty (laughs) straightforward. It doesn't count, you know, but I would love if you can share your experience of obviously you shared your teaching background and I actually have a teaching background too, which I think is so funny. So, um, just kind of like similarities there anyways, small tangent, but I would love to hear how you started to discover your genius. And we talked about this two line experience too, of like not really seeing it, but other Mm. people are calling it out, right. Of how you brought together human design, parenting and children and energetics and all of those good things.
1: Yeah. Well, this is actually, I'll start kind of from the beginning and do my little self-projected thing. Cause I feel like this is going to be really good for other projectors to hear of like how I got called into the process, each step of the way, especially projectors who are two lines. Um, I, like I said, I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. So I discovered that when I, I mean, I didn't discover that, but I I knew I kind of locked in that. I knew I wanted to study that, uh, in college when I was in high school, my last semester or last year of high school, senior year of high school, I took a child development class and it was one of those classes where it's like half day preschool. So sometimes you get to play with the kids and then sometimes we're learning about child development and it was the entry point into child development. And I had nannied and babysat and I just knew I was passionate about it, but this was the first time that I actually was in a classroom setting. And I was so excited to be the like teacher in the classroom in high school. Um, And the teacher actually, this was my first experience of being called out because I was one of those people who I went to the guidance counselor and I was like, I know that I want to, you know, I I like kids and I like this and I like working with kids, but I just don't know if I like can be a teacher. I was very doubtful of what I was able to do because my guidance counselor, who wasn't a great guidance counselor, definitely did not see me or recognize my talents or give a shit about me was like, yeah, your grades just, you know, they're not up to par. Like, I don't see you excelling in any area. It just, there was nothing. And she wasn't wrong. Like I, I was not excelling in any subject. There was not one subject that you would look at and go, well, it seems like you're always doing really well in, you know, your English classes. It was like just coasting along and really not feeling passionate about anything until I took this child development course. And it was like the world opened up to me. And suddenly I saw, oh, this thing that I really love to do outside of school, which is playing with my, you know, little cousins or like babysitting or whatever is something that actually might be able to translate into a career. And this teacher was like, you would be such a great teacher. You you really would. So I was able to go to my guidance counselor and be like, Miss Uh Dalia said that I was, you know, would be would make a great teacher and maybe I should go and do this. And she was like, well, okay, like if you can get into a teaching school. She was so discouraging. It was awful. Um, but I ended up getting into college. Pursuing a teaching degree. And once I went through fast forward four years um, getting into my first role, which was just being an aide in the classroom. And if you you were a teacher, so you know that you don't like normally immediately get a teaching job, especially if you're in a public school, it takes some time to actually establish yourself as a name or whatever. I mean, that's how it was in the state that I was living in at the time. Um and I was my aunt, she helped me get a, or she she got my foot in the door, I'll say, at a school that she worked at, which was a really, really lovely school. And I was an aide for a child in a classroom of students with disabilities. And I was one month in to being an aide. And the most amazing mentor who was the teacher in the classroom, Kathy, saw me working with this boy one on one and there was this classroom across the hall where a woman was pregnant and she was going on a maternity leave and she was like I want you to apply for that position and I'm like there's no way I have to be an aide for a year it wasn't necessarily a requirement but it was one of those like respect things where you're like you don't come in as the new aide and like get a teaching role that just like doesn't happen but she was she had so much um kind of like skin in the game in that school district because she was such a well-known teacher and was older and had worked there for many, many years. So she had a conversation with the principal of the school and was like, if you don't consider Alex for this role, you'd really be missing out on an opportunity to nurture a really like potentially amazing teacher and that was the first time that i felt so seen and recognized for what i was good at and i'm like getting choked up as i'm talking about it because it was just to be um sort of discouraged by the school system myself my whole entire career as a student was so hard and then being thrown into this career path that i was so excited to be in like wanted to prove myself so badly but really could just do nothing more but do what was naturally coming to me as like this aid and this helper for this child it just i was so in my element and i remember feeling in my element for the first time that i forgot about proving anything to anyone and i just wanted to show up for work every day and i was so hungry for how to support him better And it was actually quite sad because I got the job and then I had to leave this, the the boy who I had been working with, but then I got my friend the job and she went into that position. But um, that was the first time that I felt really, really seen and recognized and it just sort of snowballed from there. So I got that job. I was a full-time grad student at the time. Uh, I was sort of catapulted into this full-time job. So my hours were nuts. So talking on a personal level, as much as I was like, quote unquote, thriving in my career path and had gotten this job really early on. And that was something that so many people my age at 23 would have like killed to have a, a full-time teaching position in a public school setting. That was a um, blue ribbon school, like such an amazing, well-known school Um I was struggling so much on the mental emotional side of things because I'm still this like immature young 20 year old uh, who's partying and going out and drinking and doing drugs and still like living my fun party girl social life but then having all of these responsibilities of grad school and full-time teacher and it felt like I just had to become an adult so fast but then like was also still Recovering from co- just coming out of college and everything was just moving so quickly. And I think that's important to mention because it was like my mental, emotional, spiritual well being was declining as my career was on this uprise. And I got to this point where I had to make a decision between one or the other. It was like, you can keep pursuing this role as a teacher and going down this path. But like, you also see that the deeper you get into it, the less fulfilled and connected you feel to both the job and yourself. And it got to the point where I think I was so burnt out and was so overwhelmed by feeling like the school system that I was in, the priority wasn't creating differentiated opportunities for learning and development and growth, which was what I was most passionate about, like coming up with individual lessons for kids. And then you're thrown into a classroom of 30 kids and you just can't do that anymore. And I'm like, I don't like, again, such a projector thing. I hate not being able to work one-on-one with my students. You know, it, the the environment was no longer aligned for me as I was continuously thrown into all of these different roles because I was suddenly used as this like guinea pig who they started throwing me, go in this classroom. Why don't you try this thing? Why don't you try this role? And it was like, I'm collecting all of the information and all of the knowledge I possibly can, but I'm so in over my head and I haven't even given myself space to grow up yet. So I made the decision to, Um, quit that job or it was a combination of getting fired and quitting Um, I did not comply to the expectations and rules that people had for me ever and that made it really hard to have a boss and essentially it was like it was a mismatch because I wanted to do it a certain way and they did not that did not adhere to the curriculum so it was kind of a a misaligned value situation and in a school system, you're not going to win. They'll find someone who will take your job, you know, no problem and get right on that tenure track. And I was like, I don't give a shit. I care about communicating with the parents and like getting to know the children on an individual level. And I think that's when I realized I wasn't necessarily passionate about being a really good public school teacher. I was more concerned about like, how can I create, or we work together to create an environment where children just feel seen, heard, understood, loved, accepted, all of those things. Because I'm watching myself decline as my career is, you know, inclining and like watching the kids decline as they're getting more intense into these different curriculums and stuff. And I'm like, something isn't aligned here where the more expectations we put on people, the less connected they are to themselves. So I started to like pull some, I started to see some things and there was this missing piece in the middle. There was this gray area and I didn't know what to fill it with. And I think that's when I started going searching for what else is available out there. So I moved across the country. Um, I got another teaching job in a private school and had a much, many more experiences in different classroom settings at like Montessori schools, homeschooling, private education, all of these different things I could possibly do. Nonprofits. I just wanted to get my hands dirty all while figuring out, not necessarily where did I like, where was I good, but like, where am I good? And also where do I thrive? So not just where are my skills best utilized, but like, where are my skills best utilized, comma, And where do I want to show? Like, what do I want to show up for every single day? And it started to become necessary that I didn't just choose one or the other, but I had both. And I think that's when human design came into the mix because I'm like, wait a minute. If I know this about myself, then I can choose. I can use it to trust myself to find the right work environment for me, work setting for me. And then even further, I'm like, wait a minute. What if I knew the kids' designs? So at the time I'm a Montessori teacher in this beautiful private school. It was absolutely amazing here in Colorado where I currently live. And I um, (laughs) I snuck into the system and got the kids' birth information and wrote down, I got their birth certificates. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. And I created this secret, like human design binder for all of my students. And I looked up all of their charts and then I started making little tweaks in the classroom environment and they were doing so well. And the parents started, and I wasn't even like the main teacher in that classroom. I was just like a supportive role because I wanted to scale it back because I was like, I just want I knew I, that was like my last bit of experience that I needed before I could go out on my own even though I had no business no foundation no money no nothing just like full blind trust and like holding on to my hope motivation and um I had this binder and I would have a lot of the parents of my students be like what are you doing like what is it that wh- why is it different you know and just would get so much recognition and and so much praise from these students and the administration in the school. And it's like everyone just kind of wanted to know like, why why, how could Alex do it? Like, how does Alex do it the way she does it kind of thing? And I'm like, I have this secret weapon called human design but I also think that it was this combination. There's just something about me and who I am where I just kind of understand it it's hard to explain like how I know what I know but if you read my chart you'd be like yeah that makes sense you're not designed to explain how you know what you know um it was just a combination of this practical experience paired with the understanding the energetics where I was able to weave something together apply it in the classroom and be like if we look at this and not even like okay how do i set up the classroom for the manifesting generator but if i just look at them through the lens of their manifesting generator with a 1-3 profile what kinds of questions would you ask that child what where would you guide them into the classroom you know what you would do? You would have them be the ones who start the activity and build the foundation for it. And then invite like a two, four in there or a six, two in there to like oversee it. Like I started to be able to almost like manipulate how the kids interacted with one another, but in the most natural way. And that just excited me so much, but still I felt like my true zone of genius was actually The direct through line to the child, which I believe is the parent. So as much as I loved getting my hands dirty and being in the classroom setting, I felt that pull to like go a little bit beyond it and be like, well, what if we started in the home? And if parents were applying this to the home, then finding their way in the classroom would be so much more natural and so much easier. And you could actually train or guide a parent in being able to advocate for their child's educational needs and then perhaps maybe even set up professional development for teachers to to understand how to apply this to curriculum which I would love to do as well if anyone wants to send me an invite on that but like I just think that there's part of it that's like this is just what I'm so passionate about and and love doing. And it just clicks for me, but then also having the experience that I have being the type of person that I am, who was able to like sneak into the system and not feel unethical about doing that and start applying those things. I really just got to see how much of a difference it could make when we applied this information to kids. And then that got me thinking about, well, if I'm in a classroom, I'm only making an impact on Only making a potential impact on 30 students and probably only like five, and probably only getting through to two to three parents. What if I went to the internet and could just talk sort of like at everyone and perhaps have thousands of people who would be interested in listening to me? And that was sort of the draw to the transition to being more heavy on the human design side than on the kids' side was. I think I could reach more people. And I think that a lot more people would know about this. And like I could make a greater impact if I took this to the internet because the internet and social media is a thing that's blowing up. So might as well just see what happens. That was quite the tangent, but that was so good though. No, I love, I know that was like,
0: I was laughing because. Before we hit record, I said to Alex, "Was like, so do you have a hard stop in like forty five minutes?" She's like, "No, I don't. I'm self projected. I don't know when to stop talking." And I was like, "Okay, cool. I have an open throat, so basically we're talking all afternoon." Like that was my train of thought, so that was perfect. I really loved hearing your story for the first time because I have a teaching background, and it's interesting because. The way that things shifted for me was like I got a teaching degree in physical education in French and then I went I graduated I was in university for six years because it was like a full on usually you do like a degree and then you get a teaching degree but it was like a full on degree. So then I went to China, and I taught for a year in China and I was teaching mm. planning and physical education and ESL but I really did loved the planning class because it was very like life coaching vibes. Like it was like, okay, this is what you're going to do with your life. This is nutrition. This is relationships. Your sex ed, like all the things. And then I moved to Toronto and I became a personal trainer. And that was my first time getting into like one-on-one coaching, which is more of what I wanted to do. And then I was like, you know, I want to do mindset coaching because this is how people are thriving. And then I moved into mindset coaching. And then that was like, further experimentation and then spirituality. And then all of a sudden I find human design and I'm like, okay, this is it. And then I was just so passionate about entrepreneurialism that I was just like, I'm going to coach entrepreneurs with human design. But it was so interesting because you went through all of this as a, quote, three, two, this experimentation of all the things. And I'm like, listening to you and your teaching experience and whatnot. And I'm like, I can see how I had a similar thing. It was like, oh, this one thing, okay, that's not quite it. And like, over here, that's not quite it. And then keep going and going, right. So it was really cool to hear that. And I really love that, you know, it's, it's understanding things on a deeper level. Like, you know, we have this conversation around like, What's it like not having kids, but being someone that can really coach and know how to work with kids? You know what I mean. Like it's not just about being a parent; it's about really understanding, like cognitively, like underlie, like underlying the energetics. And children are so tapped in. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I really Mm -hmm. love that. You know that never stopped you. Like it was just this deep passion of like wanting to support children, like having relationships. And I really love that the more you got into what you were doing, the more you were recognized because this is like it is such a projector thing obviously every type wants to be recognized but i mean like i my boyfriend's a 63 projector splenic projector And I'm hearing him in you, the way that you start to position yourself in the right environment. He has an undefined G center. Yours is defined, obviously. But Mm -hmm. you go into the right environment and then you start to be recognized. And then it's like, you continue to set your standards to, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what interests me. This is where I'm thriving and being supported with sustainability. Because you were talking about how there's a difference between being good at something, but not thriving in it because it's not supportive. And it just, I love that you stayed committed to that. And then you continue to just go down the path and then you you, you started to make a bigger impact. And I think that that's really important for projectors to know is that it's not just about recognition. It's about being recognized in an environment where you get to be sustainable with your zone of genius. That's what fucking matters, right? So I really heard that in your sharing. I was like listening very intently and there's like these themes and things that come up for me. So I just wanted to share that.
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. Because on that note, I think that's something that I as a projector have been caught up in and have really given myself space to fine tune what my relationship is to the strategy of waiting for the invitation is moving through it initially in this way where it was like, well, let me find myself around people who like me and environments that are good for me and everything like me, 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 but about whether or not someone likes me or someone wants me and not thinking about like, do I like the person? You know what I mean? You could think about it in terms of relationship. We get so caught up sometimes, or I've gotten really caught up and being like, do they like me? Are they my person? Are they this? Are they that? Are they going to like, do they love me? Do they like me? It's like, do I like them? Do I want to spend time with them? Do I want to be around them? So it's not just about being recognized as a really good teacher or a really good partner and being like, oh my gosh, you're so good for me and you're so great in this environment and you're so good at this. It's like, you're so good at this and you're thriving because you love being here because you love being in it. So it's a two part thing where it has to be an equal energetic exchange that you can have that consistent frequency and flow, because if it's just going one way, then you are falling flat and it's not going to work. So the invitation has to work with you yourself first, what I like and what I want, and then attracting that same frequency that can sort of bond with you. Right. And that's just like, I don't know if that is taught enough or talked about enough is you as the projector, as anyone, but especially projectors can be an example of this. um, You choose what you want. You choose what you like. So yes, I was a great teacher in those settings. But it wasn't the setting for me. I didn't love being a teacher. People loved me as a teacher and thought I was a great teacher. And I was getting recognized for that. But the recognition wasn't like hitting me in the heart and just, you know, getting me so like riled up on life because it was just recognition that was hitting me and then kind of falling flat because I wasn't emitting the signal of I'm connected to and I desire this as well. And that is just a huge, huge thing where switching that perspective has allowed me to attract these just incredible experiences in my life, like friendship, relationship, family, career, all every single area of life, because it's not just about, does this person want me? Does this space want me? Does this thing like me? It's like, do I like, do I want, do I want to be here? And it's up to me what I say yes and no to, it's up to me what invitations I choose to go after. Um, So yeah, I love that you recognize that path because what I'm, what I saw or what I see in the path when I reflect back is it all started with like, what am I good at and, and where could I be good? And then really being able to refine it and find that, that refined direction of where am I good and valued, but also where do I value being like, who do I value being around? And what types of environments bring me that fulfillment and motivate me to be a a better and best version of myself? Um, Because it's, you know, as a projector too, like it's so easy to put yourself in a room of people who might not like get what you get or know what you know, and you can feel like the expert and feel like you're this savior who's doing so much and being so good in this environment. But it is so much more fulfilling to be in a space with people who you feel like don't actually need you to tell them what to do, but expect you to operate at the standard of you being in alignment with your highest expression. That is the ultimate recognition to me is when I'm able to step into valuing and recognizing myself for what I can do, because people expect me to be operating at my highest potential. And that's like the huge switch from, oh, let me just, you know guide and help and support other people that's like sure that's it's not really being a projector it's just putting on sort of that like savior complex of I'm here to be of service to other people and then stepping into that these people expect me to be the best version of myself so I'm gonna show up and be that person and those are the only types of relationships and environments that I want to be in because that's where I feel so recognized because I'm challenged to operate as nothing else, but myself, I have no other choice. And like, that's a challenge for me. So if you're not, if it's not a little bit challenging and uncomfortable, it's probably not the right setting because if you're just sort of relaxing into it and you're like, I'm guiding, I'm helping, I'm saving, but like, yeah, are you helping yourself? And that path for me was this path to go from who can I impress to am i impressed with my own life experience like can i look at what i've made and what i have right now and be really proud of it because i know that i'm doing it for me versus i'm doing it because everyone thinks i'm really good at something and it's just like the ultimate empowerment in being in my own design
0: yes oh my gosh i really love to hear i love like i love to hear how aligned you are with being self projected and like obviously that whole tangent wasn't very self projected like monologue of like this is my experience like this is how I identify and one of the things I really love is like obviously you know you can see in my chart like I only have my g and my sacral defined and my g center is very activated and so I really noticed even when I I feel like there's this assumption that even if you have a defined g center that you kind of get this like you know, grab 200, go past whatever jail because, oh, you're, you're, you're like unaffected by your environment. Like, you know who the fuck you are, you know where you're going and so on. But what I notice is that whether you have a defined G or not, it does matter what your environment is. Because yeah. like you and I, if we go into an environment that is not aligned with, for me as a sickle being, it doesn't bring me joy. I don't enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not going to magnetize the best opportunities for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And then for you, like you're talking about this, like, where am I really going to be recognized for just who I am at the highest expectation of myself? Like that's where you're going to thrive. It's not just you're a really great teacher and we love you so much. Like you're doing so awesome. You know what I mean? Which is just not really like fulfilling. And it's so interesting because you asked me earlier in the conversation, like what it's been like for me discovering human design and then being a six two, I recently am in the process of like letting go of a job that I did for over two years where I was really good at what I was doing. I was interviewing people. I was creating content. I was just really fucking good at it. Not satisfied, literally not satisfied anymore. So why, like, why would I stick around? Sure. I get paid and so on, but it just, that's an example of it wasn't the right environment for me to go and, and use my creative energy. And so I really think that, again, it comes back to the initial conversation that I mentioned that human design is ultimately about trust because you you and I, we trusted ourselves to set those expectations of who we are, what environments we want to be in. And then we just slowly start to or quickly cut things off that are not aligned with it. Right. And then eventually it really does. It's like, you're cleaning, like whether you have a defined G or not, you're like cleaning that every time, like bringing clarity. And then you start to see things clearly. And then you start to attract things with more clarity. Right. So I think that that's really beautiful. You know, I'm hearing you talk about the G center and then I can like hear myself in you as well. So I just wanted to like share that nugget. Cause I feel like There's so much emphasis around the G center, this magnetic monopole. And oh, if I don't have it defined, I don't know who the fuck I am. And I'm like, oh my God, like let's just like calm, calm down, people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And I think that's that's something that's really confused me because I was told, like, oh, you have a defined G, so you know who you are. You don't have to worry about that. I'm like, yeah, but look at my chart. Like, I'm so open. I don't, it's not that I don't. I've I've always, I will say I've always been me. I've always known in a sense who I am, where I'm going. The path has always been very clear to me, or at least like the, the direction I'll say not that, not the path, the direction has always been very clear, but it's like the path and the, the steps that I've had to. Narrow down the lens on if that makes sense, like the uh, ability to go, Okay, well, there's this direction, there's this way that I'm heading, but what's my way? And having to try on other people's ways, other people's designs, other people's experiences. And I don't know what the experience is like of someone having an undefined G, but I do wonder when people are like, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I want, I don't know what is my identity. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Like, I don't know if it's all, if it all lives right there. I will say that um, something that I do notice is as someone who's self-projected, if I don't tell the truth, like if I'm not telling the truth and being truthful, I will get sick. Or at this point, it just like barfs out of me. Like I cannot hide anything I could never lie and pull a fast one on someone. You'll you'll always know exactly how I feel because I just need to be honest. And that's such, that's something that is like one of my top values is just have being honest with people, being honest in conversation, being honest in relationship. Like I'm a lot less concerned with hurting someone's feelings by definition. Um, To me, it's more important to be like, this is what's coming up for me. This is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. And as far as the identity piece goes, it's not like I'm like, I've always known exactly what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. I think the how piece is always going to be the mystery. And that's something that both defined and undefined G's can re- resonate with and connect on is, yeah, maybe us as defined have a little bit of a clear understanding of um, that direction and that identity and that relationship to life experience. But we're still not these like, we're not gonna crack the code on how any quicker than anyone else. The how is never clear, um, but the ability to tap in, and be like, this is my clear line of sight, how I've kind of described it is, I de- I consider people with defined G-Centers, like you have your tracks and you have your train and you're, you get on the train and you're always on the train, kind of like always moving on, you know, at that speed on the train, it might slow down, it might stop, it might, but you never know where it's going, but you're on the train. Whereas the people with undefined G's are the ones who are like getting off, (laughs) playing in the field around the train, getting back on another train. Like where I'm always on like the A train and the undefined G's are like trying on all of the different trains or like playing in the fields in between and just trying on different experiences. And it doesn't mean you don't know where you're going or what you're doing. It just means you actually have an infinite amount of options presented to you. Like if someone asked me, what do I like? The a great example is like, what do you like to wear? Or what do you, how do you like things to look in your home? I'm like, I have one design aesthetic. I have like one fashion sense and that is it. And I don't try other things on. And when I deviate and I'm like, I'm changing my identity. I'm like, you always look exactly the same. You're just refining it a little bit. Whereas I people, literally do
0: the same thing. I'm laughing. Right? I'm like thinking like, mm, I've been wearing Lululemon pants for like 15 <laughs> years and they're not coming off. And it's like, oh, do you want to talk about how many times I've cut my hair and dyed it the same color the for same 15 color. years? I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I cut it short, Kayla. It looks the same. It's mm-hmm, just shorter. I'm like, but it's shorter. Look at it. You know, it's just that is so funny.
1: <laughs> they're like, you went like three colors away from your natural hair color. And now yeah, I'm and you're I, like- whoa look at this and people are like are you serious (laughs) and I stopped I stopped dyeing my hair this year or like the last I haven't dyed it in maybe nine months and to me it's like the biggest deal in the world I'm like I don't dye my hair anymore and they're like you've always been blonde like there's nothing there's nothing different you're just still blonde and I'm like yeah but it's a dark blonde it's my natural blonde and it's you know we make these changes and I think for us when it comes to defined identity center people making changes it's like When we make a change, it's that change that gets us closer and closer and closer to the center of self. Whereas the undefined identity center people are like making the, like getting, you know, a whole new wardrobe and trying a whole new sense of style on. And that doesn't mean they're not getting closer to self, but when they're trying on all of these different identities and grasping for different things, that's actually what gets them closer. So it's like reaching out where we're kind of like reaching within and each way gets us to the same path or the similar path it's just the way in which we go about it is so different which is what makes it really fun I love that you
0: know what one thing I really want to ask you is because you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation how when you first discovered human design you thought you were a manager and then you found out you're a projector and there was like Mm -hmm. this bit of distraught like oh fuck you know because There's just, there's this stigma stereotype. Everybody wants to be a gen because you think you have all the things you've got, the throat definition and the sacral and so on. And it's like, (laughs) yes, yes. But also it just, when we self-reject, there's never going to be a happy ending, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm really curious if you can share your, your journey of like, when you first discovered you were a self-projected projector, like what did that mean for you? And what were some of the biggest changes that you had to make in your life in order to thrive? Mm, That's such a good question.
1: I... Didn't understand. I really started at the baseline of what does it mean to be a projector. And I couldn't really understand my authority until maybe the last year. Um, I knew I was using it and things were happening, but I couldn't track the pattern until recently and couldn't see what was actually happening until recently because. When you read about being a self-projected projector, the thing that everyone says is, and I make jokes about it too. And I, I said this to you in the beginning before we started recording. It's like, well, you just have to talk it out. You just have to let yourself talk. You just have to let yourself go. And it's no mystery that self projectors are talkers and that we self project so our identity shines through our voice because we have that direct connection to throat but then there's also all of the nuances of how does your identity center connect to your throat like that's going to flavor how you project your identity right how you project yourself and um the thing that was the biggest aha moment for me is I was talking to Kip Winslet, who is also a self-projected projector. He's a four, six self-projected projector who's in his third life phase as a six line, which I think is just so cool and such an amazing example. Um, And I was talking to him on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, something that is just not clicking for me that has been so frustrating is I understand like what people say the authority is but it doesn't align with how i experience my myself um, in terms of decision making specifically so in the beginning of my journey i was like oh i have talking authority and that's what someone called it just go to people who you trust and talk 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 and the clarity will come and i was like okay and you know it helps to talk it out But not when I'm going in with an agenda. It's like Ra said something once that was just the the only line he really ever repeated for self-projectors was, trust the spontaneous utterances that come from your voice. So it's not about going after getting clarity. It's about going after living your life and being alive And then finding clarity through the connections that you make with the world and those around you. And again, I think it goes back to in the beginning, I was so caught up in like being that perfect projector and living my design in alignment that I forgot to live my life along the way. So the biggest aha moment for me, I don't know if this is answering your question, but the biggest aha for me was is the reminder that I am constantly reminding myself of every single day, which is don't wake up in pursuit of living an aligned life, but like wake up and do things that make you feel connected to yourself. And that's when the clarity will come on what you're supposed to do next. And yes, the timeline might not be in coherence with what your mind is telling you you need to do to make money or be successful or find your purpose or like live your ideal life. But I've given myself a lot of time off recently and realized that I really hadn't been giving myself a break. And I was so like overloaded with information and data and have tos and shoulds and all of these things and just sort of released and was like, what if I just trusted that it was going to work out. And I go through these little spurts where I'm like, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm controlling. Now let me release and just live into my life. And I know myself, I know my design, which means that when I'm in a really good nourishing conversation with someone, I'm going to walk away from that. Like I'm going to walk away from this and have so many ideas that come from right now that I'm recognizing here that come from Talking to someone later and reflecting on it that come to talking to a friend tomorrow about it like it's these types of things where I get the clarity where I'm not going after controlling the outcome and controlling the energetic alignment and the like following the authority on something and trying to make something happen but just going where life is taking me and then letting it guide me into the next thing. I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like that's my big aha is like, you don't even have to try.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is one of the biggest deconditioning things for projectors or more like just anyone who doesn't have any motor centers to find. So that Well, I mean, literally projectors and reflectors, but also just even those who don't have that much definition and don't have their circle defined. That's really what I'm trying to say is I feel like the first 29 years of my life as a circle being, I was so busy doing shit that I didn't want to do. And I did a lot of shit, but I wasn't satisfied. And so I feel like when you start to understand, and I love that you, you talked about control because you have the 21 unconsciously hanging
1: And, and guilt guilt transference. So it's yeah. like that combo.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, but I think this is great because you're realizing, like, oh, I don't have to force things, I don't have to go and repeatedly take action, which is obviously something that you're gonna see a sacral being do, is they're gonna mm-hmm. take a lot of action, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they're taking aligned action, that's a whole other conversation. But I, I really love that because again, you know, here you are through your entire teaching career of like seeing what's best, seeing where the change needs to happen while simultaneously noticing okay what environments do I actually thrive in like what environments are my visions going to be appreciated so that I can guide rather than having to do all the fucking things right yeah and I love like as an example and I like briefly mentioned this at the beginning of the episode how you know we're collaborating with Eden and we're all working on the same team just to give like a high level conversation of this All of us were on a call. There's six of us on a call. And Alex is the only one that's a projector. The rest of us are all sacred beings. And we're having this conversation. I remember sitting there and I was like, listening about the plans and the things that we're going to create. And I'm like, this is so brilliant. Like you came on, you're like, okay, this is my vision. This is what I'm good at. This is how I thrive. And it's just like, you really projected from a place of alignment, what works. And we're all sitting there and I'm like, this is crazy because the rest of us are all action takers, builders, and so on. So we're going to be like, oh yeah, like we see this, like this is how we're going to create this thing together. And so we go and then we're going to go and take the action. Whereas I feel like in a quote typical setting, it's like, hey, everyone needs to do the same amount of work. How many things did you check off your list? You know what I mean? But it's like, that's just not the paradigm that we're creating when we're using human design. And so I love that because you're like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to stick to. And then all of us are like, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what so and so is good at. This is what so and so is good at. And then mm-hmm. it's the synergetic, syner- synergy of energy, of teamwork and collaboration where everyone gets to thrive in their own way. Right. So I I love to hear this from a projector, this deconditioning and trusting their vision and guidance. Right. Rather than feeling like they have to prove themselves because 60 to 70 percent of the population
1: has their cycle defined. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I just felt so held and supported in that meeting as well, because I was like what a godsend i am sitting here in front of six sacral beings who just want to respond to what i'm saying and it takes both parties to be um in alignment and in integrity with themselves in order for you know for me to feel like i was supported you all have to be in your sacral and in your response if you were in like manifestor land or projector land it wouldn't have, it would have been a power imbalance. There would have been someone trying to tell me what I, who I thought I was and what I was supposed to do. But it was like, I got to say things and then each person was like, well, I'm really good at this. So I can respond to that. And I'm like, I just felt like all I was doing was just like vomiting out everything that I wanted to happen. And just like literally like throwing it. It was like, we were, I was throwing the ball over a net and, or no, like multiple, like a dodgeball thing. And I'm like throwing all of the balls over to you guys. And then each of you are just catching them and being like, well, I can do this and I can do that. And then I'm like, and I have like, I don't have to follow up. You know, I only have to be there for when someone goes, Hey, okay. I completed this piece. Like, let's take a look at it together. And To be called on, to be called into the next step, just to see how much more supportive that is versus there's been so many situations that I've been in that, again, I've put myself into that have just been a mismatch where it's like, okay, let's do this break. And then I have all of these responsibilities. And then someone comes to me and they're like, why didn't you show up? Like, I'm not designed to show up. I'm not designed to follow up. I'm designed to like say it to put it out there and then sit back and watch it all happen. Yeah. It's because I've been doing like the work I've been visioning. I've been formulating, right. I'm not, not doing anything. It's just, I did my job already. Mm -hmm. And I love even
0: after we had that meeting, you went onto your Instagram stories and you were sharing about the importance of like what it actually meant to wait for the invitation so mm-hmm. I would love if you can share a little bit on that, because obviously just to kind of recap this, we all had a meeting because there's going to be a collaboration. Exciting things are coming. That's all I'm going to say to the audience right now. <laughs>
1: <I'm> <laughs> it's so bad so- at holding in secrets too. I'm like, I want to say it, but we won't. We won't.
0: It's so vague. They're just going to have to listen to the podcast, follow <laughs> Eden, follow you, follow me, and yeah. they're going to see what's going to happen. But the point is she came into this conversation Actually, I think there was six of us total. So there's five little generators. There are like many gens mm-hmm. and generators. Like we're all like responding to this, we're co creating. But then I remember you went on to your stories after and you were just sharing the importance of like waiting for the invitation. I still think this ties into the conversation that we had today around like going and waiting and, and setting the expectations of being in the right environment to receive an invitation, you know, because you could look back at your experience of a teacher and like you were invited over and over and over again to do this, do that and, and the other, but then you, you started to develop these expectations of the kind of life you wanted to live, the kind of impact you wanted to make. So you moved, you went online you shifted the work that you were doing so that it would reach the masses and that's the environment that you got recognized even more because you're making a bigger impact. So I'm curious if you can share a little bit more about wait for the invitation, because I feel like a lot of projectors feel disempowered by this and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's actually, it's more of a boundary to respect your energy and wisdom than it is of a like waiting around for shit to happen. It's like a, it's a boundary and a veil that is like sacred to be lifted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. And that's like in the empowering context I would create for projectors if I was talking about that, that strategy.
1: Yeah. And I think something that I've really learned about myself through my own life experience and seeing through how these really, really big invites have dropped in is like, I was never not doing anything when it happened. I wasn't technically waiting in terms of sitting on the couch, like drinking a root beer, doing nothing, reading a book, waiting for someone to tell me who I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. And I think that even goes back to the conversation that I had with Kip around being self-projected and what that looks like. Anything that has ever happened to me I have been the one to say, I want this first. Like to be very clear, I approached Eden. She didn't come to me and say, hey, Alex, like I want you to do this. I had been connected with Eden. We had developed a relationship. I knew that she was someone who I wanted to work with. We had always sort of been in each other's fields and danced around each other and developed this trust with one another. So there was a bond already there. But when it came to the actual collaboration and the partnership, she ended up actually reaching out to me because she was coming to Colorado and visiting um, family and wanted to go get coffee or something. So yeah, I would say like Eden set up the space for the invite, but she wasn't like, okay, and now I want to do this. I was the one who kind of said over and over again, like I, I kept hearing myself go, I, I think it would be great for us to work together. I've always seen us working together like this, you know, and being the person who was actively participating in speaking into like what I was wanting and what I was thinking would be so nourishing and so fun for us to do. Not in a way where I was like, I want you to do this and you better show up for me. But just like planting, actively planting seeds where I want to be seen, where I want to be connected to people, with the people who I know I trust and Eden's just someone who I trust and respect so much and always have. Um and doing it with the intention of I'm not trying to get something out of it. I just genuinely think that we would do so well in collaboration with one another. Like in the most intentional way where I wasn't saying it as, you know, this is like a this is a gold mine and and let's do this thing together and make a ton of money. Like if money is the intention, that's awesome. I'm super money motivated. Um, But I was also like, you've built this awesome thing and gosh, how cool would it be if like, I could be a part of that or we could find a way to do that together. And um, so I think when it comes to the energetics of waiting, so often projectors, we can get caught up in, feeling like we're going to jinx ourselves out of the aligned invitations. If we, God forbid, claim what we want and say what we want and do what we want. But like, I'll always make the first move on someone and then sit back and see if they show up for me. Mm -hmm. So it's not like make the first move, pursue, 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 but I will 1000% plant a seed and then see if they show up for me and keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. And like sit back and be like, I set the expectation, I set what I want. If this person keeps showing up for me, then cool, they get to be in my life. But if not, then like, see you later. And um, again, that goes back to seeing yourself as the treat, seeing yourself as it's my choice. The invitation isn't someone wants me. It's an opportunity to see if I want them, if I want that thing. It's all. It all comes back to, do I want to be there? So once you take it from this disempowering of waiting for someone to give you permission to have and do what you want, it's like saying what you want and then creating space for the opportunities to arrive and then going back into yourself and deciding if it's a fit for you. And that's when the invitation becomes like this, oh, it's not about... I'm at mercy to what other people want me to be of service to. It's just a setup to protect my own energy because it is so precious because I do have not like so little to give, But the way that I am so efficient and effective and focused with the way that I do channel energy into things, I have to be so super careful about what I'm investing in that, of course, things have to come by invitation. Because if they didn't come by invitation, I'd be so overwhelmed that I wouldn't have the energy to channel it into what it is that I really want to be doing. So it serves to protect us more so than it does to limit us from actually getting what we want. And human design isn't to blame, it's like, our own limiting beliefs that we enter the system with that leads us to be resentful of the system itself and be like, well, Ross said that setting up this invitation and the invitation actually sucks. Well, no, it's just your relationship to what that concept actually means as a whole. And if you flip it into something that's incredibly empowering, then you're going to have people knocking at your door waiting for you to say yes to their invitation. So they're actually waiting for you. You're not waiting for them. You're sitting there protecting yourself so that they're waiting for you to say yes to them. And that's what waiting for the invitation is. It's waiting for someone to be ready to receive from you rather than you being like ready to have that thing. Like it's just so much more, when I I flip it on its head, suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm the best, (laughs) but not in a way where I'm better than anyone else, but I'm just like, I'm so fucking great. Who wouldn't want that from me? And if they don't, then that's not a match. And that's such a wonderful thing because then that narrows down my pool of who I want to interact with and who I want to be around me. And it serves me so much more to treat this like this precious thing that I get to give out selectively than this thing that someone is like bringing to me and I have to savor it because I never know when I'm going to get another one. Um, Clearly, I'm passionate about this piece of yeah
0: no but I love it <laughs> and I have so much space for projectors because my boyfriend's a 6 degree splenic projector and undefined g-center and like I have been working with him like thankfully he's super into human design so I can have very deep human design conversations with him but like I've been helping him thrive in a corporate environment where the culture that he's dealing with right now is very toxic and he's getting so much clarity on like what it actually means to be invited to share his wisdom and where he's not being recognized and where he has to set boundaries,
1: mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, what are you mm-hmm.
0: really gonna tolerate? Like, what do you really want? That's like the big question that I've been asking him. I was like, are you doing what you wanna be doing? Are you doing what you think you should be doing? Like, what is it that you want? And this has just suddenly caused this light bulb moment because then when you really ask yourself, what is it do that I want? And he's not self-projected, he's splenic authority. He's like, what is good for me? What is sustainable? What's going to bring me safety and security? What's healthy for my body? And then all of a sudden he decides from there, this is what I want. This is what I identify with. These are my boundaries. These are the invitations I'm willing to accept, right? So I really I really love that because there is a disempowering context around waiting around. And even Mm -hmm. for generators, something that I've talked about a lot for generators, if not, not enough people say it like this, is that you're not just waiting to respond. You're responding to your environment. Yes. A lot of sacral beings, and I say sacral beings because this includes manifesting generators. We respond to our fucking ideas, and then we go and we start taking action on our ideas. I did this all last year, and my business did not thrive whatsoever. I started to wait and respond to my environment. There'd be an, I would have an idea. Like we talked, I, I, I had an idea a couple of months ago, Kayla, you should host a human design summit. Like how many people have you interviewed on your podcast? That'd be such a good idea. And I'm sitting there and I'm getting all excited. And then I'm like, where the fuck did this idea come from? And I was like, oh, it literally came from my head. Cool. I'm going to park it. You want to know what happened? Three weeks later, I got invited onto somebody else's summit. And I was like, there it is. Perfect. So. <laughs> that like with sacral beings you get an idea are you asking yourself am I responding to my idea am I responding to what I think will bring me joy or am I actually co-creating because they're responding waiting to respond to co-create with your environment I'm constantly asking myself if I put a piece of content out go to launch something start an offer what am I what am I responding to in my environment and I think I almost feel like that's the word the verbiage they should do because when I've said this to people they're like oh my god you know so I'm saying this you're talking about boundaries and like deciding whether that invitation is going to be magnetic or not like these are like the nuances of strategies that don't get talked about because sometimes the content that we see in this in the online space is so like fucking surface level and just regurgitated you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. yeah and I think that has to there's this thing that I find that um I get along with generators on this level is that concept of readiness and I think so many of us don't give ourselves permission to step into this level of the awareness experiment because we don't feel like we're ready to be empowered. We don't feel like we are ready to, it's again, trust, right? The readiness is, am I ready to trust myself? And you're never ready because it's not, if you hold yourself to this expectation that responding to your environment or waiting for the invitation is going to get you exactly what you want in the way that you want and it's going to work out in a positive way then no you're never going to be ready because you're holding an unrealistic expectation to the outcome of something that you can't and that's the
0: that's the agenda issue that you were talking about earlier and also ready as a decision
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah, so oh fun. my gosh. I loved our conversation today so much and I knew that we were just going to chat for so long. I really loved your story and just like, I, I'm i so happy to have you as such an empowered, like self-empowered, self-projector projector, mm. really share your story about being a projector. Cause like, I'm just sick and tired of like any disempowering contexts, languages and so on that I see in the online space. Like I just, I can't stand it. Cause like I'm committed to just normalizing all entrepreneurial journeys or just really normalizing all experimentation with human design I think that is something that I'm really passionate about so I feel like we just painted that like so beautifully today Mm, so before before I wrap things up I always ask this question to my interviewees and what is what is a a last wisdom nugget that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up our conversation today
1: Hmm. it's so funny the first thing that just came right on the tip of my tongue was don't wait like don't wait to quote unquote, be ready or feel prepared to to go and do the thing. It doesn't matter what your profile lines are, how you're designed, whatever. Go live into your life and collect that data. It doesn't matter how things go right or wrong, good or bad, negative or positive by definition of whatever you deem as correct or incorrect, just go after living and collecting that data and then view it through the lens of your own design because that is what's going to allow you to see how these energetics actually play out in real time. And I think that wasn't, it wasn't until I started doing that, that I was able to actually gain confidence in who I was designed to be because I was like, wait a second, I can actually manipulate this in a very loose and non-controlling way, but like manipulate the way that I move around life in a way that's so supportive to me when I'm looking at the data based on what's previously happened. And that can't happen when your head is buried in the books. So bury your head in the books, learn all the things that you want, go after learning in the way that works for you, but don't forget to practice it don't forget to live it out. You don't have, you're not going to jinx yourself or get yourself into a shitty situation. If you make a mistake, you can always pull out of it. And you can always look at it from that bird's eye view. And I think that we just can get so caught up. And again, like as six lines, I'm sure you get this too. You can get so caught up in like doing it perfect and doing it right that you don't even do it to begin with. So it's so important to just like do it, step back, collect, refine, do it again. And maybe that only applies to a six too, but um that's what i found to be super successful for me is being less worried about well is it going to work out and more just excited about well am i going to enjoy this process and if the answer is yes the outcome doesn't matter as much i love that so
0: much and i think that what you just really captured too is that i mean the underlying message that i'm hearing is that there's so much emphasis on quantum leaps that people have actually forgotten the importance of learning how to walk before you run mm, and you talked yeah. about you talked about confidence and a baby so consider yourself if you're new to human design you're a a mind a baby mind about it a baby cannot run before they they master walking Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they get Mm -hmm. confidence to run because they've allowed themselves to walk they've allowed themselves to fall on their face like all the time and so i feel like people just think "Oh, i need to quantum leap quantum leap like it's just rooted in scarcity but really what it's about is like taking just one step at a time and that's what that's what you're saying this living your life one day at a time playing into having awareness no matter what your design is looking at am i in the right environment am i giving me giving myself moments of grace to trust myself that's ultimately what's going to lead to clarity
1: yeah yeah i this is it sounds cliche but this is something that i've been repeating a lot and found myself saying in all these different settings is the only way to is through. So the only way to what you want is through your current experience. If you don't move through where you're currently at right now, you're never going to get to where you want to be. If you're sitting there in your current experience, not accepting where you are and dreaming about that quantum leap, nothing's going to happen, right? It's exactly what you're saying. Like go through it to get to it and You'll get there. You'll make that quantum leap, but you can't dis you can't bypass where you are right now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So
0: many wisdom nuggets. We got a full-on meal of nuggets there.
1: <laughs> I love it. This was so fun.
0: Yes. Can you please share with our audience where they can connect with you in the
1: online space? Yeah. Primarily Alex Cantone on Instagram, um, alexcantone.com. And that's pretty much it.
0: That's awesome. I want to thank you for coming on today. I loved our conversation. It was like so nurturing and it was just, it was so good. It was like pulsating of like wide vision back into specifics, like so many, so many moving pieces. I really loved it. Yeah. It's so much
1: fun. Thank you for having me because I just, I get so much out of this being here and talking and getting the space held and being with someone who's like-minded. It's just so, so, so fun.
0: Cool. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners today. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you want to take a moment, share this on social media and tag us so that we can like be excited with you, that would be awesome. And please be sure to follow Alex on Instagram, check out her website, and also subscribe to the channel because there's going to be a lot more awesome episodes coming out. So thank you so much. And I'll chat with you in the next episode.